0: Come, you old man, Wade. Damn you, old man! Wait, wait. Old ass man, shut up, old man. You smell like fart. Uh-huh. No, man. Old old He's so old, he got a podcast on cassette. Oh, fuck your old. Damn it, Wade. I'm gonna give you my three favorite rock songs. Okay. And I want you to rate them in terms of are, because one of them is a B side. A couple of them are actually B sides. Okay. Um, But I'd like to know your opinion on them. (laughs) So I'm going to go with so one and so the first two are 1A and 1B. The first one is Shadow of the Sun. Oh, okay. Shadow of the Sun may be, um, my favorite it's a it's a toss up between that and the next one but shadow of the sun may be my favorite rock song of all time because uh it's it was i asked a friend of mine, "Hey, make me a rock CD." I meant rockefeller. He made me a, <laughs> <laughs> he made me a rock and roll CD and that was the first song i heard of that. I heard on there. Got you. And I heard this dude's voice and I was almost in tears at how fucking great it was. Because it almost like yo, who the fuck was this? And later on, my wife is huge in the rock. She goes, Oh, that's Chris Cornell. He's right. from SoundGarden.
1: And she put me on and then she sent me. But down. what 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 got you though? The vocals or the guitar? Because that's a that's an interesting band to uh... um, So okay. If I'm
0: breaking it down, initially it's the vocals because it sounds kind of nasally when it comes on, but I'm listening to it and it's hitting me in my heart. I don't know what it is about Chris Cornell's voice in that song, but it just, like, it hits me. And then I heard this song. It was in um some Jamie Foxx movie. He was driving a ca- taxi cab. Um, Tom Cruise is in it. But before I oh, saw Oh, yeah, that,
1: collateral, not collateral. Yes, family. a
0: collateral yeah. or co- collab or whatever. Fuck Something like that. And before I saw, the, saw that movie, I'm listening to this song and I'm just like, and then he's getting into it the shadow. Well, I'm just like, oh my fucking God, this is one of the greatest things I've ever heard. And then this the da-da-da-da. So thoughts on Shadow the somebody by Audio Slave.
1: Uh, so you wanna give me all three, or you want me and then rank them, or you want me to talk song by song? We'll go song by song. It's a, so I'm an I'm an I'm an I'm a fan of everything about Audio Slave. Um I'm a, I'm a Tom Morello fan. Uh just how are you not? The the noises that guy manages to pull out of an instrument are magic. Cornell is probably the greatest loss rock and roll has had, and I, I don't even know. Um, to move from project to project like that, to be successful with, you know, it, it's just the, that's right up there with um, Dave Grohl in that you just, you make a project and that project is beautiful and there's just no... There's no getting around that. Um, so I was I w- I was a fan of everything he was doing with Soundgarden. I've seen them number a number of times. I never saw Audio Slave live, but in particular, um, two of those albums just stayed on repeat for me for a good stretch of my life until about 2016 or 17. Uh, yeah. So I'm a fan. That one's uh that's a good contender. So next up, and this is it's um Shine Down Heroes. Oh, hang on. Heroes is that the cover of uh? Are they cover? Is that an original or is that a cover? Ah, oh, fuck. You know what? It's uh, let's see because I'm trying to remember. So I may know. Is it? Is it? How recent is this? Song? I know it's it's fairly old. I know there's one line on there that I absolutely okay. Love. No, this is them. Uh, this you can is you've
0: an animal, but you can't take away his rage. <laughs> yeah.
1: So so this is. Hang on though. Let me let me go to this album because uh, this is off us and them. Um, this is also and, um. I got a candle. Yeah, 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 yeah. They so I went through a stretch. This had uh yeah. Okay.
0: This is one so, that's also one of the most complete rock albums I've ever heard. I, an acoustic so, version of um uh one of their 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 hit songs on there, the lead song on there, and like the acoustic version is better than like the studio version of it.
1: Was that was so so they're one of the few bands that came out of that era of what whatever early 2000 rock is that started with, you know, the late nineties creed, whatever creed started. Yeah. Um, and, and then if you look at all those bands from Nickelback to Seether to shine down to uh Huba stank, to, uh, you, you, I won't put all those bands in the same category, but they're sort of in the same category. Um, and then there were tons of one hitters back in that era, like default and some yeah. others. Um, so you just, it kind of, whatever that bought rock sound was in that era, I despise like all of it. Well, I know, I know you're disdained for, for, uh, uh, the, well, I just, it it got, I'm not a fan of music that just replicates itself. And a lot of those bands started being carbon copies of, like, I liked the first Creed album. Yes. Yes. I, I liked the first Creed album to be perfectly candid i also liked the first nickelback album um 1996 had leader of men uh these five words are we having fun yet like that was that was actually that was decent rock but it was the genre was being created and then the problem was i used i used to use the line i go i like that one nickelback song i go unfortunately they keep writing it it was that was the way I just heard every song coming out. It was yeah. like the same progression of chords and the same grating voice and then bands doing it. And to be fair to Nickelback, I probably would like them better if there weren't so many knockoffs, if there weren't so many theories of a dead man and all these where I just, you just, it, that I think probably turned me more off to them than their actual music. Uh, you
0: know what's funny is that's the version of my thought when i hear a lot of these awful mumble rappers yes it's the same thing.
1: thing same thing you're just you're hearing a bad impression and when you and that somehow can cheapen the original if you're not if it's not something you care about right and i don't care about that particular genre so shine down ended up being the the band out of all of that that rose to the top. And every time they put out a record, I was like, that uh, what was the album Amaryllis. And uh, there's another one um, in between this one and that one. But the where I just went, this is solid rock, beginning to end solid rock. And even their more recent stuff, uh, a little bit of it's kind of turned me off. But most of it, I'm like his voice in that band, I, I'm in. All right. Uh, at number
0: three, uh, Foo Fighters, Something to Nothing. Ooh. <laughs> son of a bitch because something to nothing and again it's dave Grohl and a um friend of mine put me on to the Foo fighters and he was like because i was going through a really really bad time in life um mm. i'm a former cutter like i've been i've been hot institutionalized whatever you want to call it and i remember going through this time he goes yo listen to halo listen to um just he was just giving me all these songs and i'm like jesus christ who and and my wife who's a a, again she's a rock fan she goes oh i got a bunch of Foo fighters you would like and she makes fun of me because i like emo music (laughs) hey it's unforgivable (laughs) so and i'm like um that's something and nothing but again it comes from that when he gets to that point where he goes, fuck it all, I came from nothing, and it gets really guttural. So for mm-hmm. me, like when I first started getting into rock, it was just the music behind the words. I didn't give a fuck about the words. It was just, I love a guitar, I love a string instrument. And it, it just like, so that's all I heard. But then when I really started getting into the lyrics, I'm like, Jesus Christ, these was real, and then like, like something to nothing came on, and I just could not, like, I, and this was later into my into me loving the Foo Fighters. I didn't know that was them in um uh I think I love my wife. And he was like, I'm getting tired of you. And my wife's like, Yeah, that's that's Dave Grohl. He's and then she broke it down. Oh no, actually, no. So she broke it down telling me that she was with oh she was she, uh Dave Grohl was originally in the um Nirvana. Uh, Nirvana. <laughs> and then I remember the joke, Slade Ham going, do not sign a guitar. You better sign a drumstick. (laughs) (laughs) So, so for me, I'm like, I hear like the Foo Fighters hit me in a certain way. I think they may be my favorite rock group. And it's like, like the new song shame. Oh my God. Like the video of that. And then just watching the, 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 the woman from uh, the mummy, like just sexually dancing through that video. And then Dave, like the the shame. And it was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. this this
1: is, fantastic music to me he's an incredible musician all around like to be that versatile and that that talented and still be you know who know? i'm not speaking for him he could be tortured with demons but on the outside um a good human being who's genuinely happy i you know is is the frontward facing dave grohl and i just in a world of tortured musicians and the this belief that all artists have to suffer to make great art i it's fun to see dave on stage in front of you know thousands of some of those shows down in chile or you know uh some of these big shows he's played or when he joins paul mccartney sir paul mccartney you know some of these legends and to be or elton john where he's just totally at home You know, it's a, it's, he's too young to be as royal as he is. That's something that should be reserved for 60 and 70 and 80 year old men, but somehow he carries it with him at a much younger age. And I have been a fan of the Foo Fighters since uh, the very first album. Uh, When that was, I was working at Best Buy. So that had to have been 1996 uh, when the self titled Foo Fighters album came out. And I still, to this day it remains my favorite foo fighters album despite everything good they've done and as good of a cohesive modern major rock you know arena band that they've become i still adore dave grohl recording every instrument in his house uh like he did for that first album and if you don't know the history of it it's a wonderful uh story but every instrument every piece of that album was done by dave uh so if you go back and I'm listen to that to first to one, one. That. yeah it's incredible so if i'm ranking them i, I i've got to put audio slave at the top uh i have that's that's just you can't dethrone those two uh, in a pairing if anyone could have it might have been dave Grohl, but uh not with a song that late into their discography which put shine down at three um just coming in a little bit later you can't you're you're the rookie on the team brother um let's talk in 10 years
0: <laughs> do you have do you have a rock song that you definitely think that everybody should hear who because i know you're like you're like rock rock like i got one of my closest friends is a huge pearl jam guy and he was just mm-hmm. like and he just he like he'll be like yo pearl jams my shit um one of my actually my best friend he's he, I forget the name of the group that the two of them went to go see, but one of them had like a um, oh, what the fuck is it? The the, the leader of the Vatican. I can remember the name. The um, the Pope. The Pope. I don't know
1: why I couldn't think of the Pope. <laughs> it's <laughs> box, like we're playing taboo. Box, uh, box water. Hat, like hat looks like a post hole digger. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, it's, it's the fucking box wine. Um, so like, and he was like, the, this band came out there and they were dressed like the Pope, but they had skull faces and he hits me with this music and I'm like, Ghost. Huh? Ghost. Oh, yes, yes. And he sends me this song and I'm like, this is fucking amazing. And, yeah. then, and then that leads me to, why do they sound like this, but Kiss sounds so awful?
1: <laughs> because it's the musician under the mask it's the uh you know you, the goat uh, the guy i i can't remember call his name uh the lead dude in ghost is a remarkable artist his just his vision for that band and the theatrics and the it's just it's a cool concept and they have the musicianship to back it up yeah, uh, song i have one there
0: is square hammer
1: huh <laughs> and I was- yeah they're great i don't to answer your question i don't have a song that I suggest, or I think music is such a personal thing. And I, I, for two reasons, I I don't like suggesting things because I get frustrated when people suggest shit to me because then there's a sudden, uh, impetus to have to watch oh fuck you want my feedback so,
0: uh, so do not send you this Pharaoh Monch song that I think is the greatest hip hop song of all time gotcha
1: <laughs> no I'm not saying I'm not saying you shouldn't <laughs> I'm just saying it, it's my reasoning for doing it for the moment because some people are just like you gotta hear this song and it's 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 literally like on the radio you know yeah. what I mean where you just got how can I not hear this song I've heard this song everywhere um, yeah. but then the other reason is it's just that overall uh I guess there's three reasons. The overall disappointment that comes with someone not sharing your Uh, taste for, you know what I mean? Where you're like, I I dig that. I'm afraid you're not going to see what I see in this. And then that's going to make me question the validity of it in my own mind, even though I know that's all bullshit and I won't do it. And I have myself sorted out in that way. I don't want that pressure of having to, to rethink things. And then three, Um, specifically with songs that are deeply personal to me, ones that get me out of funks or that get me, that remind me of very specific things. I simply don't like sharing them with anybody because then if we get a connection around that song, specifically if it's like a girl or something, and there's this song that gets me in a good place and then I share it with her and then we go South, what do I have to get me to a good place? Because this song now reminds me of her. So I, I've always kept a private collection of my favorite music uh, that no one gets to know is my favorite music because it's my super weapon out of uh out of all sorts of trouble spots. I could the only emotional attachment it has is what I've assigned to it, and no one else gets to fuck that up.
0: So here's a segue into the game. What's your favorite Prince song?
1: Ooh, uh, Woo. this <laughs> all right, so you can't asking me what my favorite Prince song is is like asking me what my favorite food is, right? Like you gotta mm. you gotta categorize. It's do I like brownies better than steak? Well, one's a dessert and one's a one's an entree. Uh, all right, all right. Okay, it, I'll so, ask you this:
0: What's your favorite Prince song to listen to? Where you may or may not be smoking. That's
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. Do I, need, uh, do I need to edit that? No. So there are, um, but if I was just going to lay back, there's a, there's a couple of print songs that I really dig for different reasons, but this is, this is in a, uh, slightly altered state of consciousness laying on the couch, just acoustically letting the sounds do what they do. Um, there is, there is a song called the truth off of crystal ball. I think the, it's the, whatever the fourth crystal ball disc was, but it's not crystal ball one, two or three uh and it's called the truth and it's got one of just the most bluesy funk guitar just him and a guitar and he's just he's just at it uh and his voice in that song uh hits me it hits me in places that I can't explain to you um off of the gold experience i would tell you the song shy uh, one of the lesser-known Prince songs, uh, because no one really knows that album unless you know Prince. Uh, it starts out with a woman's high heels clicking on a sidewalk and uh, another
0: <laughs> very funky. Prince, a very Prince fucking oh, thing.
1: Yeah, because it might not even be a woman in those heels. It could be him. Okay. It's, uh, and All then right. it gets this, but it's a woman. But it gets this, 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 down, down, and he, he's back in that funky blues. So I, I gravitate to a lot of that. And then there's three chains of gold off of, uh, the symbol album. And that one is just an operatic, uh, piece of work. It's in that, it's in that same experimental phase that gave you uh, sexy motherfucker and seven and all the songs off that album. But three chains of gold is this expansive cause he's, he's Prince always has these weird things he does in these albums where he's playing different characters. So this woman is interviewing, uh, him and this character throughout the album and anyway it's a when he gets to that song it's just operatic and big and fun um but at the end of the day
0: oh here we go all
1: things all things left alone just turn on the long album version of purple rain and leave me oh my god yeah that's just it's the most perfect rock song that's ever been written it checks every box. It 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 hits, it plays with my nerves and it makes my body and my mind do shit. And I just fall like an absolute slave at the feet of that song, stoned or unstoned.
0: I, I remember the first time I heard the extended version of that, and then the guitar just played, and I may have gotten a contact high at the at, the, at that point. It's, and, I'm at, it's, and I'm at the um the commune where I was I was talking about earlier, and I was just and all I could, and it's just like, it was almost like, and I know how cliche this sounds, like I could see colors. Yes, it's just like you could, you um, could
1: hear colors. It was, colors. it's, yeah, you colors. could probably, yes, you could probably taste them, <laughs> yeah. in, in, in that song. It is fundamentally perfect, and I say that not knowing anything about music other than I enjoy it. Um, so it, it may be flawed to death, but as a listener, it's perfect.
0: Um, I'm actually compiling a list of the most perfect the 100 most of uh, the 100 best songs of all time. And that's in my top three. The only song, the only song that I can think of that may be better than that is Ain't No Mountain. Oh, um... I, I honestly think that Ain't No Mountain. If the aliens were to come down one day and say, we're going to destroy this entire planet, unless you play us a piece of music that can save the world, I'm playing Ain't No Mountain. Really that's that, a
1: who, that
0: like is, that's uh, that's usually what I go with, and number two maybe Prince, and you're gonna laugh when I say this, I feel that like I could play, Party Man, from Prince, and, <laughs> they, and they would still people. Oh my god, can, it upsets me that people don't really acknowledge how great the Batman soundtrack was from Prince. Well, that's
1: that's an underrated uh that's an underrated album if there ever was one. Yeah. Like black and white, red and green. It's like, how do you Lawrence? Know?
0: <laughs> Let's expand your mind. And I was the like.
1: samples and the, it's just, it's a, it's, he took the movie and he made an album out of it. And yeah. it's, and I don't even know what order it happened in. It's such a. You don't need You it. got an, you, you have an album that samples music that had to have been written before the, film was made I you can't because the scene is set to the music but the music incorporates parts of the scene and you realize at that point that he didn't just write a song that for a moment Jack Nicholson was in a musical written by Prince and that's that's what you're up against it's really not a this isn't just a, a dude who made some music that they used in a film it's that that scene in the art, is that the art museum where that went down? Yep. Um, it's That's that's a musical. It's a musical. Like there it,
0: and this leads to another conversation that I, I don't know if you enjoy musicals, but across the universe is probably the greatest music I've ever seen in my life. It was one of the few times that I can hear a remake of a song and say it's better than the original. And considering it's all Beatles music,
1: Well, so I'm, I'm now going to have to watch this. So let me preface this by saying uh, two things. One, I have to watch Love for the same reason I'm about to explain Uh, the Cirque du Soleil show in Las Vegas, the Beatles show. I am neither a fan of musicals nor the Beatles. So <laughs> um, th- it's tough on me, uh, but I have been told I do like Cirque des Soleil, so I have to go see Love, and I've heard that this is the most exceptional of them. Um, and I don't think I will dislike Across the Universe because the Beatles I don't like is the three-chord pop Beatles. So the oh, yeah. I-want-to-hold-your-hand Beatles I hate, but the stuff – that came later, like, Hey Jude. Um, and there's, there's some, there's some Beatles that I don't dislike, but I just don't do musicals. Um, except I apparently do. Uh, I fell in love. Well, so for sure. Um, but I saw, um, um, why am I losing the name of it? Um, the book of Mormon on Broadway. Okay. And and was I left humbled in that I just I was I, I was I was like, this is I shouldn't try to make things. This is <laughs> funny and but it's also like really musically ta- like everything about it was it was I was mesmerized.
0: Um but, but Trey Parker and Matt Stone I really consider like they're like the George Carlin of TV writers. It's
1: good as right, but to do this on Broadway, which is This isn't television. This is a whole different medium that they entered. And they, I left blown away. And then I watched Hamilton when it came on Disney. And I was astounded by what I saw. And it, it made me, it made me think about something. So I went, well, I, I don't like musicals but I do know some songs and some Disney movies and some other things that I liked and I like the theme song to Moana that was cool and I started to list a couple of things I like and someone was like you just like shit written by Lin-Manuel Miranda and I was like (laughs) oh that's what it
0: is but you know what also what it is you strike me as someone who doesn't like anything that's stereotypical like I feel like have you if you've seen Moana I feel like you liked it I loved it like, exactly. Like, I feel like if you've seen the original Aladdin, you enjoyed it because it wasn't like the stuff that was presented before you. Like, you talk about your love of your, like, your nieces and how like you enjoy spending so much time with them. And the stuff that you introduce them to and the stuff that you do with them that's very, like, kid-oriented, it's not the stereotypical, like, stuff. And, and again, I'm going to show my old man self, and I'm pretty sure you understand this, A lot of the things that we grew up with wasn't the same. Big Trouble, Little China is on my list of perfect action movies. In that genre was Tango and Cash. Similar movies, not the same. Um, Star Wars. Regardless of anybody feels about Star Wars, it is the reason we still have sci-fi movies. Say Mm -hmm. whatever you want about it. There were multiple sci-fi movies after that, but none of them were Star Wars. And now we have all these remakes, and it's like, you can't, like, and I'm going to say this knowing that Ryan Reynolds is is part of Clue, you can't remake Clue. (laughs) (laughs) and and ryan reynolds and my wife says that um i have a my wife says i love built white men because my she jokes she goes you love henry cavill ryan reynolds and chris evans you just like built white men i was like leave me alone (laughs) but like but it's like there's an originality to it like there's like i I, well there's
1: uh, let me let me let me interject because there's you got to think about the machine from top to bottom, right? You've got, you've got an entertainment industry, Hollywood and everything, Netflix, all these, uh, these things that make things. And below that you have an audience base and they're constantly trying to influence one another, right? These people want to make what they want to make, but you can't make stuff. These people won't buy. And these people are slowly telling you what they will and won't buy. And you're trying to take that into account and blah, blah, blah. It comes down to one of, an audience is looking to feel a certain way. And it's no one cares about what you're making as an artist. They care about how what you're making makes them feel. So fuck your show. <laughs> how does what I'm watching or what I'm listening to make me feel? So yes. when it comes to Hollywood, they're trying to predict whether or not you want to feel the the novelness of surprise which is what happens when we see something new and original, or do you want the comfort, the comforting arms of nostalgia that go, Hey, here's what, you know, it's safe. And when you put that on a, on a analysis, when you, when you analyze that and you try and figure out if this is worth it, right. As a cost benefit uh, analysis, do we risk giving, if, if, if the novel thing hits, then we have the next Harry Potter and it's a, it's a huge thing, but we can just go back over here and remake Dukes of hazard again. And those people are for sure going to come. So it's kind of like the way the casino they're only making 0.5% or whatever that rake is right. It's small, but it's consistent and you can go out there and you can swing at these, these other riskier things but you're playing with real money and hundreds of millions of dollars and real money wants comfort too. It wants to know that it's going to get a return. And if I tell you that the fifth time we remake Ninja Turtles, it's going to make 20%. You go, well, shit, 20% of a hundred millions, 20 million. Let's do it. Yep. Versus me pitching you some outlandish space saga that hasn't happened yet, but re- it happens in the fourth dimension. And we got to figure out how to, show that to an audience and it's never been done before and quite frankly may not work, but it's still going to cost a hundred million. Now, if it, if it works, we're going to make 300 million, but if it doesn't, we're going to make, we're going to lose 80 million. And you go, well, I know I can make 20 million. So saddle up the Duke boys, <laughs> and the Ninja Turtles. We're going back to the eighties again. Do you know what's funny about that
0: is, is I've had this conversation. I may have actually been had it on the show, but I don't think I have about the idea that. I love this new era when it comes to music, comedy, and writing, especially with comic books, because, like, if you have the means, you can go directly to the consumer. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's take the Andy Huggins comedy special. You can go directly to Netflix, go directly to HBO, as opposed to, let's say, 20 years ago, when you would need this huge backing mm-hmm. to do that. And I really do feel, and I've said this a million times, and I'll say it a million times more, that I really think that in another 20 years, movie theaters are not going to be a thing. Probably not. Everything is going to go strictly straight to digital download. One, because it's easier. Two, people don't like leaving the house. Three, the movie experience, while I love it, I don't think people enjoy it as much anymore. And lastly, it's cheaper.
1: Mm Mm-hmm um and you're already seeing it it's the the pan the pandemic forced a lot of uh and production don't get me companies an and houses about that <laughs> ha. Ha. well the 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 model works it's sometimes we do things the way we've always done things and there's no reason to shake that up why would you shake up the distribution channels of the movie theaters it's symbiotic it works we all know our role you go to the movies, you pay exorbitant amounts of money for the popcorn. That's where they make their money, but that Mm -hmm. gives them the money to pay to have the theater, to have the the movie played there. And then they sell the tickets and the studio makes the money and everybody plays their part. And that's all well and good. Well, when you get a chance, it's kind of like, you know, people working in offices where until there's a forced interrupt and everybody stops and goes, okay, well, we never would have done this on our own, but now we realize that kind of, all being in an office is sort of unnecessary and we don't need to all go in and we can sort of work from home. And that's, that's what the movie experience is dealing with now. But I would offer that in 20 years, uh, the concept of what a movie is will be very dissimilar to what it is. Yes. Now. Um, you're the, I don't know how much longer we live in two dimensions. Um it, it's, it's a wonderful way to tell a story. I'm a huge fan. I'm a filmmaker, but is that is what? Do you, what are you trying to accomplish with a film? Becomes the question. Is it is it something to passively watch, or is there another experience there that could be more participatory? And you you've seen some of these theaters try to do it with the 4DX rocking seats and squirting water, and that's all carnival fare, really. But it's proof that we are people buy tickets for that. So yeah. if if you look at what the experience could be and once we figure out how to get past the peripherals of VR and even some of the limitations of AR, there just may be some, some experiences that couldn't happen in a movie theater anyway, and also might not even be able to happen at home, or maybe they find a way to transcend it and make it all happen at home. But I, the, the technological landscape is, is changing so fast. I couldn't even begin to predict what, what an entertainment medium experience or whatever would feel like in 20 years. I will say
0: this, the one John, the one um medium or genre, however you want to, or with a, whatever the correct term would be is I don't think we ever lose the idea of drive-ins and now the sitting in a field kind of watching a movie. Those mm-hmm. are the two things I don't think we'll ever believe specifically because It's still an idea of community. Like, I remember me... They're cultural
1: bonfires,
0: of course. Like, I went to go see... uh, It was a double feature. It was Angry Birds 2 and the CGI, because it's not live-action, Lion King. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: And the, the, the CGI Lion King was the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen in my life if i spent so much time making jokes about it that the people in the car next to me were laughing at the dumb shit i was saying whenever i would groan like something would happen i'd be like oh my god and they would Uh just bust out laughing
1: but well that but hang on that before we change (laughs) subject the the lion king is a perfect example there is a I I get frustrated because of my vantage point, right? My age, the stuff I lived through. Yeah. I remember vividly Disney of the 90s and I remember Aladdin and The Lion King and The Little Mermaid and that whole stretch of 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 films that was my that was, you know, I was in it. Um but when you have those those movies, Jungle Book, Lion King, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, they're basically shot for shot remakes of Yes. Their counterparts. I mean, and I like some of them. I love the the live action Beauty and the Beast. I absolutely loved. I was, liked was, the it was, it, was, was, it was I I it was fun. Um and what's her name? Uh, Emma Watson is amazing. Oh, but wow. the 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 concept of having a perfect story like The Lion King, of having a perfect story like Beauty and the Beast or Cinderella or whatever, it's you recognize that there's an entire generation or two that doesn't know this or they just aren't familiar the way we are in our, in our age. So you go, we want to tell this story to this generation because we know they'll buy it. Yeah. And you go, we could try to make the original version palatable to them. You know, Hey, there's some great stuff you kids don't know about, but then you gotta get them used to the concept of flat 2d anime. I mean, that was before, Yeah. You know, that was before you were you were space jamming it up with contour and it was this was kind of flat. So why not just turn around and do exactly what you did, but with modern tools?
0: Oh, we're, you know what? With that being said, the the DC commerce animation mm-hmm. is, is a 10 out of it's, 10. And they've done they, nothing to change it.
1: If they were if they were in charge of their cinematic universe, uh it'd be a whole different story. But oh, the <laughs> The glorious ten-year plan that'll
0: probably still flop.
1: <laughs> hurt. I, I want to sit. I want to sit in that meeting so bad, just to hear what their pitch is. All right, we got Ben Affleck on board for the next. Uh... Uh,
0: I will not take any Ben Affleck Batman slander. That wasn't a slander. I'm just saying.
1: I, if their plan is him for the next ten years, you're going no, to need that's
0: absolutely enough. Had... God. God. There's a lot going on. I had a um I interviewed this uh comic strip writer and he was he hit the nail on the head where it's like on one hand you have Marvel where their their superheroes even their gods are flawed and human-like, but on the other hand you have DC where their heroes, even their mortals, are gods. But Why Superman's
1: Superman sucks, bro. It's the I... I I you just can't give me a per it's it's you can't. He's too there's nothing, even the little the little curl of hair on the forehead is just perfect. It's, it's, it's annoying. You straight A student. Oh God. I bet, I bet his rice is fluffy. Like I just, ah, you insufferable. (laughs) um, I,
0: um, I have a, I had a friend of mine, God rest her soul. We went to go see that, that awful Superman movie where, um, kumar was in it from harold of kumar oh god and she was just saying it was the one where um uh, kevin spacey was lex luthor yes and she had me cracking up she goes oh my god i go what she goes his curl hasn't moved the entire movie <laughs> no no and i could not stop laughing at how fucking funny that was
1: yeah he's too perfect i need some flaws and give me a, give me a logan
0: i have a Thor is one of my favorite characters in Marvel Comics. I have a Thor hammer tattoo, and specifically because, as much of a god as he is, he is super flawed. He gets his ass he gets his ass whooped a lot.
1: I went back. Uh, I went back through because I've still not. Uh, so so don't chastise me for this. I'm yet and don't say anything either. Uh, I'm yet to see Love and Thunder. Uh,
0: however, chastise you for it. (laughs)
1: Um, but I I want to I want to see it even though I've heard I tried to keep my ears closed. Uh But the in preparation for it, I went back and thank you, uh, courtesy of you, I was able to revisit the uh, the, God, the Thor, God of Thunder series uh, that introduced. Oh um, God! That introduced War, the God Butcher, um, but that also visits the um, what's her name with cancer storyline. It's all from the same twenty-five episode or issue arc. Uh, so. I going back and reading that series reminded me cuz it follows if I'm not mistaken uh past Thor, current Thor and future Thor and you get to see how just totally drunken, debaucherous, irresponsible Thor has always been over the centuries and then how those mistakes now have affected, you know, future King Thor as he, you know, and they just you you get to and through that whole series, he's just womanizing and drunk, and the, that has a, yeah. that one-off episode or issue where he uh, he goes to him and the dragon, he fights that dragon who's it just it's just and he's just a lush and a fuck up through the whole thing. Yeah, and I I love him for it because he's suck because he's
0: flawed. He's a god who's flawed, and that's the part that and I I've, I've been reading a good amount of DC over the last eight years. I love DC Comics. I'm even beginning to have a love for Superman because a lot of the writers are doing something that the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited comic cartoon series did. They made him imperfect. Yes. He could get electrocuted and fall out. Batman wasn't the focus of that. They made sure that all of the other characters look strong without making anybody else
1: look weak. That, back to what we were talking about before. It's a, uh, you know. So it, it, there's a, oh God, another, again,
0: we can reconvene on that later. But here's the game. So <laughs> me and my buddy were on a road trip to Pennsylvania. And out of nowhere, we combined, so we combined our, our favorite songs together to one long, I kid you not, 48-hour playlist it ends up being. And Ah. and it didn't take 48 hours for us to get to and from Pennsylvania. A Prince song comes on. And it was um, Raspberry Beret. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) this will take you back. There was a racehorse or sex act about what a Raspberry Beret was. (laughs) I'm not going to say what it is, but people Google it. (laughs) (laughs) Or don't. Or don't. (laughs) Don't look it up. (laughs) So (laughs) I said to my friend, I go, yo, you think Prince ever hosted an orgy? And he goes, goes, oh, absolutely. And so that led to the conversation of who helps with the orgy. So we both agreed that it would be Prince and David Bowie compiling Mm. a list for the orgy. Now, neither Prince nor David Bowie interact with the orgy in terms of sex. They walk around and they're the host. They just make sure everything's fine they're like the only people fully clothed they're just like are you okay they're just doing this whole thing so we got into this whole thing about who would be involved in this orgy uh we got into things like who would be who would be invited but wouldn't go (coughs) who would be security we decided that tessa thompson would be both security and and at the (laughs) the, (laughs) like you know
1: what i mean because she is oh god she is just one of the baddest you know, she was, can she, she can stand on the left side of the door that Michelle Rodriguez is guarding. So, which is funny because we said Michelle Rodriguez was the head of security. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> like every like she would like she's the type of person who'd put their put their hand right on her put your put her hand right on her chest and go no. <laughs> but still so, look good doing it. Yeah. Oh my fucking god! So, I compiled a list of fictional characters. Oh. And I'd like you to tell me, are they or are they not invited to the orgy and whether or not they would go?
1: Oh, okay.
0: All All right. right. So we'll start with this one. Wonder Woman.
1: Oh, see, there's there's an you would think, yes, with the rope and the skirt and the leather, you would think that that would be right up her right, right up her alley. But I, I, think, I think at the end of the day, Wonder Woman would chicken out. Ooh. I really do. And she looks dressed for bondage, but I think her bark is far worse than her bite. So I disagree.
0: I think Wonder Woman goes. I think that she is both aggressive and submissive. I kind of feel like Wonder Woman walks in and she has a strap on. Oh, and, and you're, see, you're leaning. You're leaning more into the Amazonian side of it. Yes, her. I think she's fucking and being fucked at the same time.
1: Ah, that's fascinating. I can't get the picture of Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman out of my head, and therefore it becomes very difficult for me to imagine her in both those positions.
0: Well, considering I know your pro source history from listening to the Whiskey Brothers, uh, just uh, imagine Riley Reed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and go from there. Uh, okay, I'm back in.
0: All right, uh, Wolverine.
1: Oh, see, this is another no for me. You would think, again, the old disheveled Canadian wandering out of the woods. You know, he, there's probably some animals in his history. He's uh, there's a deer oh, that you yeah. know what I mean that, that that just wandered too close to camp one night. There, he's probably got some <laughs> questionable. Some questionable pass, but I still think he—he, he, I think he looks around and goes, "Nah, nah." I think David Bowie and Prince are probably too. Uh, it's it's a bridge too far for old man Logan. So I
0: agree with you. I agree he's invited. I agree he doesn't go. And this is coming from someone who knows that Wolverine has had sex with aliens. Uh-huh. I kind of feel that, like, it's just too. I feel like he's freaky, but just like one-on-one freaky. Like, I feel like him and yes. Cyclops have definitely have sex. Um, <laughs> in, the, in the newer comic book, he's in a throuple with Gene Grand Cyclops, and he just kind of does his thing. But an orgy, mm, I don't know. Yeah,
1: too far. Han Solo. Oh. <sighs> Solo says yes. I think Solo says yes. I think... I think he's a rapscallion enough, and that's a <laughs> wonderful opportunity to use a wonderful underutilized word. I think I think you catch him at the right night at the cantina, and a, a couple of drinks under his belt, and an old wizard, a young kid don't come walking in, but instead it's you know, a couple of weird aliens. Hey, come on back to the back room. It's a, he's <laughs> having a rough day. Just he just lost a sabat game. It's a it's you know, yeah, come
0: on. Uh, him, <laughs> for two points, does he shoot first? <laughs> there it is. Um, T'Challa.
1: No, absolutely not. Too regal, too composed. Never be caught in such a compromising situation, unless by orgy you mean a uh, hundred Wakandan women, and you know, then it's
0: just everybody just like just all. But over the if world. it's if
1: it's just all oily sliding human beings rubbing up all on each other, I think he just takes the mantle and the purple flower and heads off to a different room but let's
0: just say like now we're talking like just like just fictional characters from all over like just every genre and he mm. knows this does he go
1: nah he's got a country to run man he's mm. yeah. you, you You might want him there but I I think he's I think he's out I could I could
0: see that um, <laughs> here's a random one for you booster gold <laughs> I, th- I think he's in there and he's naked before he even gets to the door.
1: hundred percent. He might be. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that. That's uh he's on a pool float.
0: Yeah. With the middle recording of the middle everything room floor.
1: too. <laughs> yeah. He's got, <laughs> he's got, he's got a margarita and a Sonic cup and a sock on his neck. I he can has tell a you Sonic exactly. cup. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got to
0: find out if there's, a, if, if there's an image of Booster Girl with a Sonic, with a Sonic he up. He came to yeah. party. Um,
1: <laughs> Big straw in his mouth. Oh God. Gene um, Grey. Who? yes, but it doesn't end well for any of us.
0: So I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound toxic, but and, and fans, please excuse me for saying this. I don't know if Cyclops is hitting it right. Of course
1: he's not. Of course he's not. This fiery redhead. Nobody (laughs) in that stupid mansion knows what to do with that. (laughs) Jesus, that's that's the most wasted piece of spandex. She's gorgeous. She's hot. She's fiery. She explodes when she comes. And no, this one-eyed jack wagon. No. (laughs) Jack wagon.
0: I just want to point out that ever since she's been fucking Wolverine, she hasn't lost her fucking mind.
1: Uh, (laughs) uh, Which brings us to Cyclops. Nah, it, yes, but because he needs the approval. I oh, think, yes, because he's searching for, he's insecure. Yeah, whatever you want. Just stick it anywhere as long as you tell me I'm pretty. That's what I feel about Cyclops. I'm so, I'm not a Cyclops fan. Uh, tell me I'm pretty. Exactly. It's 100%. Uh, Emma Frost. Ooh, I hope so.
0: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I uh, hope so. <laughs> I'm not even a blonde guy. Like, I'm, I, I lean, I've always leaned towards further brunettes. But for me, like, Emma Frost is one of the few blondes I'm like, yes, absolutely. Yeah, if
1: you're going to be blonde, be translucent. I want to see through you. I want you to be that kind of white, like pale, like the colorist didn't have to do anything. That's what I'm after. What's this page called? Emma Frost and Winter. That it's colored, uh, Emma
0: Frost is coming, (laughs) uh, Bruce Wayne,
1: not not Batman, yeah, not not Batman. That's a see, Batman would go, uh, (laughs) maybe not, maybe Bruce would go. Which one of them would go? They wouldn't. Are you watching Harley Quinn? They so the new season? No, I haven't yet. I can't Um, see. So, so don't don't say anything. I've watched the first uh, yeah, don't say anything. I've watched the first couple, um, but i'm I'm not caught up on this season. so Bruce, man Bruce is Bruce is fractured though, so now, Batman would go to the orgy, Batman think, would go. Bruce wouldn't. do you think Batman fucks with the orgy, or do you think he just kind of goes? No, he just hides in the shadows. He's just there. He's there to pick up a straggler. He's okay. there to get. He's there for what's left of Catwoman after she only does lesbian things. <laughs> Can I
0: just say, I just, I'm just mad that like all I could picture is Batman being a voyeur and just kind of jacking off
1: in the shadows. Yeah, no, he's not actually doing anything. He's you know how long it takes to take that belt off. He's just, he's just, he's just in the shadows. Like, oh. I wonder what Catwoman's okay. gonna be done. I wonder okay. what she's gonna be done. Okay, I anybody seen Catwoman? <laughs> I
0: have to ask this question and I may regret it, but what's in the Batman orgy utility belt?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just condoms and lube. It's just, it's, that's just it. There's nothing else in there. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some expect- now. The Joker's kit is totally different. Oh God. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm, I'm,
1: no. <laughs> Got To see what comes out of the end of the gun. Oh my it's, God. Uh...
0: There are so many entendres in that sentence that I'm not even going to begin to like, Bang! So I'm going to save my favorite two for last. Uh, James Bond.
1: Oh, yeah, he's 100 percent in. Tony Tony Stark's in also. Both of them. Matter of fact, they're probably in the same room, just on different sides of it, arguing about the same women.
0: Are they on the same side? Are they on the opposite sides? Uh, Let's call it like it is. It, I, I kind of see them getting so mad that the two women leave and they end up fucking each other trying to figure out Oh, there out won't
1: be two women. There will be 200 women, and they'll just uh, be writhing yeah. around in a way that you would never physically be able to get one to the other, that Bond mm-hmm. would be over here. If you, you know those little puzzles where, like, you had the nine numbers and you had to move them around to get them back in the order of one through yes. nine? <laughs> just like that, but the two <laughs> corner pieces were stuck in the corners because there's so many other moving pieces in between them yes. that – yeah,
0: does Tony, does Tony Stark wear the Iron Man helmet while he's doing while he's in the orgy?
1: No, but he does wear the boots—big knee-high metal boots.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's also not the pegged. gauntlets. Yeah, he's also getting pegged by Wonder Woman. Let's call it like it is. Um, that's
1: a no. <laughs> she's not there.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, Gandalf. <laughs> He's at the bottom of the pile. He's he's definitely he's definitely there. He's Get- just laid out, gray robe, all akimbo, just like <laughs> hat disheveled. He's got fucking staff with a fucking with a, a fucking girl dildo on at end. the end of it. Just just girl on each end. What a yeah. He's happy.
0: And last, and I can't wait to hear this. This is the best one I have for this. Jean Luc Picard.
1: <laughs> oh no this is too far this is too far <laughs> Disengage. this is <laughs> no 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 rikers in <laughs> rikers in but Jean Luc no rikers in and data's in but <laughs> captain picard is uh he's gonna he's gonna go read some shakespeare and oh, bang vosh again
0: what's the name of the woman with the curly hair the brunette
1: with the curly hair uh, on next generation. Yeah. Who Marina she's, Sirtis played? Cause she's counselor Troy. In. She's definitely in. Yeah. You know, she's, I think she's more of a prude than she puts off. She's, uh, she, she dresses sexy and she's, she flirts a lot, but really, I mean, she only had like four real relationships that whole series. One of them was Riker and one of them was Worf. Didn't she almost
0: get married and walk down the aisle naked? And then the guy was like, uh, 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 uh.
1: so that's so, uh, she is, uh, beta Zed and they get married naked. And, uh, she was at for sure. Her mom was getting married naked, uh, at one thing. And I think she was there naked also, but uh I can't remember. She almost got married and I shouldn't know so much about star Trek.
0: Oh, you absolutely should. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm slowly getting into it. Like I, I finally got Paramount plus I'm going to watch. Picard, but I feel like I need to like <laughs> rewatch all 150 episodes of Next Generation before I and get. You're into gonna it. get
1: me, get me started on this. Um, <sighs> the so Next Generation was seven seasons of amazing sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, Picard, the first season had some watchable parts in it. It was very nostalgic. I I'd like to get your take on the second season because it might be one of the most incoherent seasons of any incohesive inco pick an inco whatever adjective (laughs) of television that i've seen in my life um it is Uh chaotic and and uh doesn't it it follows too many storylines and it tries too hard to cram too much in and it wasted cue entirely like it just it was so not delicate with so many things that i thought were important to me that by the time it was over, I wanted to throw my TV out the window and then I watched the, but it was also, I was watching it uh, congruently with, I remember Wednesday mornings would be when I'd wake up and I would watch uh, new episodes of stuff. And some of that stuff was Obi-Wan. So I watched the season finale of Picard right after I'd watched the season premiere of Obi-Wan and the, 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 disparity in quality of just the star Wars effects and the world building and the, the cinematography. And then you cut to Picard and it's Borg with, you know, laser light duct tape to the side of their head kind of effects, you know, that you just, you go, ah, this is, it just pales in comparison. And then they were, ah, <laughs>
0: I've heard a lot, I've heard mixed reviews about like I got a buddy who like he's a like he's a huge like Javi, my my co-host, who when we do talk some nerd shit, like I'm just gonna sit back, and let you guys talk. Um, like he was talking, like he was like, he got Paramount Plus specifically for Picard. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that he has high hopes for season three.
1: They, they, are Lavar Burton will come back. Uh, they'll bring back some of the cast members that haven't been in yet. It's all, it's, it's likely to be landed properly. Um, I just this goes back to what we were talking about before. I'd rather see uh what they're doing with Anson Mount and Captain Pike in uh, Strange New Worlds, which is spectacular to me. It's colorful. I like the characters. They share a lot of the same stuff that I the the sense of family that I got from next generation stuff that i thought discovery has missed the mark on entirely yeah um it, it just feels like a ship and the you care about the characters and every every episode is a self-contained story and it just makes sense to me and that's what i miss in next generation so when they came back to do this i was moderately optimistic thinking well it's stuff i care about It's characters i care about stories i care about and it's just the way it's treated is just kind of not like it was handled by any of the same people who handled previous yeah. stuff. And even when you see Seven of Nine and some, it just, you know, it's not a total miss. I like the new characters and the, it's you fun. know funny
0: You say that, and it, 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 I hearken back to what you, was, what you were saying earlier about, like, the newer things. When it's like, when I look at, let's take the Mandalorian season one and two, there were special effects, but it wasn't so, like, amazing that it took away from that. I really feel that, like, the cheesy nineteen nineties, early two thousands, like phasers and stuff like that, still works with Star Trek. I really don't feel that we really don't need to update it too much. Because-
1: it it fails when they do. The what they've done with Discovery and all that stuff is it's too much. The I care about that's Star Trek isn't supposed to be the visual spectacle they keep making it. It's you can a screen can be too chaotic in a way that you lose the characters and sometimes all these big explosions and space battles and fast-paced Star Trek has never been an action series. It yeah. got dangerously close with Enterprise. There were a couple of sequences I remember that had Captain Archer I think on Andor. Um and I just remember a winter battle. It was kind of snowing and uh Shren was the uh the character played by uh Oh, what is it? His last name is Coombs. Um, he was on a lot of episodes of uh, he's been in almost all the series. Uh, but anyway, I remember seeing that, and it was like a fast-paced phaser battle with some running and sliding and kind of getting behind stuff. And That's I remember Star Trek, though. Barry on Star Trek. Yeah. It was it, even what they did with the movies, the most recent batch where you Star Trek Beyond Generate, where you just go, This isn't, I'm I'm watching this for the human side and the characters and the the conversational philosophical battles that Star Trek is so famous for. And, you know, when I look back to, if you're watching Next Generation right now, um, one of the best episodes, and it gets referred to in Picard, but uh, Measure of a Man, which is the trial of whether or not Data is a sentient being and deserves uh, status to reflect it. And it's this whole court case about his personhood. And Picard is his advocate. And Riker has to be the advocate against him. It's a very cool episode to watch as they judge whether or not artificial intelligence is human. And it's just brilliant, but there's no action. This whole thing takes place like 12 angry men around a table. So that's what I want from star Trek,
0: you know? And I really, and I feel that people kind of miss the idea when it comes to things that are cosmic intergalactic or comic book wise, you don't need action at every turn. Like I love Moon Knight. I mm-hmm. love Miss Marvel even more, and a lot of it had to do with what was going on there. I don't need to see Miss Marvel in her uh, diamond-looking punches in every episode. If the if you're giving me a good story, I'm a huge Moon Knight comic book fan, and I still loved Moon Knight on Disney Plus, even though he wasn't the close. Right, you
1: didn't get all the psychological warfare going on. Yeah, he, he, didn't
0: rip, he didn't rip a person's face off in the Disney Plus show. I didn't need that because Oscar Isaac is an acting god. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, these are... And when I when I watch Star Trek, I'm not looking for action. Like you said, I'm looking for um, incomparable storytelling. I'm looking mm-hmm. for character development that surpasses anything that I've seen because Worf is a perfect example of that. He's from a warlike people or beings, and he come he becomes this compassionate person who's guarding himself against empathy. Like that's well, Star Trek to me.
1: Those are when you take the time to next generation such a perfect example of every character having an arc you know, of who they were when you met them and them being someone totally different or dramatically different by, you know, having matured in some capacity by, by season seven. And when you, you know, it's the trouble, I think that a lot of Marvel films have right now in that it's some of the most recent stuff has been spectacle over substance where, you just get CGI to death and your brain can't make sense of what's happening on the screen and your characters get buried because of it. And you, you just realize you're like, well, that's, I didn't really get a chance to know them because my, my eyes and my brain were so <laughs> following the 35,000 things fighting on screen. And you're like the real conversation is what got missed. And that's, you know, that's that's Hollywood. I Another think.
0: reason why I think that movies are going to be a thing of the past is because you can't really tell the story that you'd like to with movies that you can with a six episode. I think She-Hulk's going to be nine. Mm-hmm. And She-Hulk's essentially going to be Seinfeld with TV characters, which for me, I love sitcoms, so I'm cool with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Thor would have been... I wasn't Thor? I was thinking about it. Was um, I can't. There was a there was a TV show I was watching. There was a movie I was watching recently. I said it would have made a lot more sense if it was a show. TV show. Know, TV show. Eternals. Eternals. Uh-huh. Eternals makes a lot more sense in a show format. One. Who gives a fuck about the Eternals? I liked the movie. Did I love it? No. It left me with more questions and left me wanting to know more about each of the characters.
1: Well, it didn't. It didn't move the ball anywhere. No, and that's the that's the in Marvel phases and in films within the phases. Every time we get a new film, the ball moves, and nothing about the Eternals moved a ball except we now got a half uh, statue guy <laughs> hanging out of the Earth that eventually will probably have something to do with something. So I will
0: say this. I actually just recently wrote an article, but people don't know, I just Google bam, smack, pound, Mark, and my articles will come up. But one of the things I always say to people, one of the things I've thought about recently is like Marvel is trying to create their comic book universe in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So the Eternals will have nothing to do with Moon Knight. Moon Knight will have nothing to do with Miss Marvel. However, Miss Marvel will have a lot to do with hawkeye because uh miss Marlon kate bishop will have something and mm-hmm. there's something we connected with echo i think the eternals will be connected to another cosmic cosmic thing and i think it will eventually all connect it's it's um again to bring everything back to the beginning of uh the episode they're playing their um billy ocean is it billy ocean danny ocean Danny Ocean. Billy Ocean's a singer. <laughs> but Danny yep. Ocean, bring it back. Get to out Danny of my yes.
1: dreams and into my car. <laughs>
0: <That> <laughs> is Caribbean
1: so cool. queen. That's Billy I'm Ocean.
0: A, I'm not even going to begin to think about how that sounds. But, uh, <laughs> but, the idea, <laughs> but the idea of that is just like, there is a plan. I really do feel like there's a plan going on. At the end of it, it'll work. Um, but it's just a matter of, do you have faith in the plan? Do you have faith in the team? And this is where on a larger scale i think people in general are missing when they're trying to rush their lives as opposed to going let me see what happens next let me let me live my life as opposed to judging everything else
1: it's uh you can like i said you can only you can you can be the architect of it to a certain point but your expectations of what your life is supposed to be are ultimately the source of your disappointment because rarely does it turn out the way you expected it to be, and the it sounds like I'm I'm saying don't plan, uh, which is far from the case. I think you you have to plan. I just think you have to plan with less rigidity. It's it's yeah. the hey we're going to Venice, not. Hey, we're going to Venice and at 9 a.m. we're going to get gelato here and at 10 a.m. we're going to have hot chocolate here and at 11 a.m. we go up the tower and then at 1130 we got to be back down because we're going to see the Stradivarius Museum and then we're going to go have, you know, we're going to Harry's because we got to get Bellini's and that's not till one so we're going to have 45 minutes if you go in to Venice with that attitude you're going to be miserable if you go in and you're like I'm just going to start here and I'm going to walk into Piazza San Marco from, from, from here. And it's a long walk through the city and we're just going to see what we see along the way. You're likely to have an extraordinary time. And in the back of your mind, you're like, this is one thing I'd kind of like to do while I'm here. But having those rigid expectations is just, it's the death of you, man. I think, you know, look down, look at where you're walking, look up, see what's in front of you. Um, Take in the landscape, enjoy what you're doing and fucking smile.
0: My, um two things. One, um, I'm not a religious person. I call myself agnostic as fuck. And the phrase goes, you create a plan and God laughs. Uh-huh. And whatever you I- believe in, whether it be the universe or just coincidence or whatever, your plan doesn't mean shit to whatever is going to happen to you. Stub your toe and miss your <laughs> bus and who knows what happened ne- who knows what happens next.
1: There's only when it comes to things like predictability and you know, how far out you can extrapolate stuff. There is just, it's, you know, it's the Heisenberg uncertainty principle on a quantum level. There's just an unpredictability to the universe and you you can't map all the particles and you can't figure out all the the waves that are, you just can't get down to a certain level of predictability. At the end of the day, life is going to do what life does. You can you can guess at some of the bigger stuff. You know, this has a ninety-eight percent chance of probability. Okay, but some of this stuff only has a twenty or thirty percent chance. I live in an industry that is hopelessly um, unlikely to succeed. It doesn't matter what you do in entertainment; the odds of any individual thing's success are like three percent. It's dumb how low it is. That's why you have to make hundreds of things to to offset the person the low percentage and that's yeah. you know what we talked about with hollywood everything is just a cost benefit assessment what is this go what is what are the risks involved what could i potentially get out of this and you know i'm just i'm a fan of the i'm a fan of the swinging for the fence it's yeah. a, if you go if you won't get on the field let's let's do big shit
0: and for before we go uh, just for people who think this is really depressing i want to bring up a story that i that me and my wife have we went to hawaii she wanted to see the seahorses so there's a seahorse farm on one of the islands. She was like, I want to see the seahorses. We went in there and it was this whole thing. They explained why they have this, this particular farm and how they're trying their best to save them. You got to hold a seahorse. They like, you know, and they explained everything about it. And for me, it wasn't my thing. But my wife wanted to go. Now, I could have been a stubborn ass and been like, you go have fun. I'm going to sit on the fucking, on the boat, on the, on the cruise or whatever. But I went, had a great time. We left and we had about six hours before we needed to go back on the boat. We had no plan. We ended up at this bar and had one of the best times of our lives at this bar. wasn't planned. We just stopped at this one place, talked to some people, and all we could say to ourselves was, it's a shame that we have to leave. And it's sometimes, and, it's, and I'm a stubborn ass. I'm god of stubborn. I understand that. I'm trying to get out of it. But the moral of the story is sometimes you really do have to just accept life for what it is and kind of as um the phrase goes, roll with the punches and hope for the best.
1: Well, yeah. And also what you did is you guys in that six hours stopping at this bar, the magic to that was precisely the fact that you had no expectations. Everything else that you go into with an expectation, your mind starts Starts rolling it over. What's it going to be like? What is it going to be like? This is going to be like this. I bet it's like this. I hope it's like this. You start getting, and then the reality doesn't matter what it is. The only thing you know for sure is it's not going to be like you thought it was. Yeah. You were going to be, that's the only thing that's certain is whatever you thought can be eliminated. It might be all the other possibilities and whatever those are they're no matter how good they are or bad now, you gotta measure them up against that shit that was in your head when you showed up. This is what I thought it was gonna You guys went to the bar with this free spirit of, hey, say la vie, let's let's see what happens. And this way, there's no expectations to be violated. You're allowed to just sit at the bar and be at this beautiful place and enjoying a drink with someone you love. And that's that's yeah. that's everything, dude. Other
0: people came in, they were talking shit, we were talking shit, we were loud and drunk, they were loud and drunk. The bartender laughed their asses off. We went to the Dominican Republic on this resort where like they don't normally like people don't normally tip. And we sat and drank for first bartender came in. She's like, oh, it's the end of my ship. We gave her 10 bucks. She goes, oh, I can't accept that. We're like, why? No, excuse me. She goes, oh, what is this for? We're like, we're leaving you a tip. She goes, for what? I'm like, for great service. Yeah. And she was kind of confused. Next bar to dec- bartender came in, and he was just full of fucking energy, and we I was mama wounded the fuck out, she was drinking margaritas, and I was freaking this, and we left him thirty bucks, and he was just like, "What's this for?" And he wouldn't even take it. We had to like wait for yeah. him to turn around, leave it, and walk away. Next morning, we're walking back from the buffet, and he just yells yeah, like, "Hey." And we look over, like, who the fuck is calling us? We, we're, in the, we're in the fucking country. And he pours two drinks and goes, mama, water. And, <laughs> and like, and it was just, again, these are experiences that you have when you're just, and I am a, I'm an uptight douchebag. Like, and I don't mean that in a sense where it's just like, I just don't accept, I'm just, I'm scared of a lot of stuff. I'm fearful of a lot of stuff, but my wife gets me out of a lot of things. Like, <laughs> you'll appreciate this. I'm assuming you've just skied before, right? Oh, yes. Again, Dominican Republic she was like, I want a jet ski. My wife, my wife has done all sorts of shit that I've just never done. And she goes, oh, we're going to jet ski, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm deathly afraid of like open water. And so the guy goes, oh, you can ride with your wife. I go, I'm not riding bitch with my wife on a jet ski. <laughs> 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 and she Damn. just busted out laughing. And so she's out there just, just like all around the fucking the water and I'm just like putt, putt, put, putt, put, putt, 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 <laughs> putt. Now on the flip side of that same conversation we were on ATVs. i never atv before and I was just going. And again, because she got me out of my shell and into doing different things. So and initially, I don't like a lot of things. I don't because it's like I'm fearful of my life and fearful of injury. Mm-hmm. But I'm lucky enough to be around someone where, even just the, the leap to marriage scared the shit. out. I'm still scared of that shit
1: every day. Rightfully, rightfully so. <laughs> but but you you got someone who pushes you a little bit outside your comfort zones, and what happens is those those muscles stretch, and one day you look up and it's a this thing that would have you would have instantly said no to four years ago. Yep. You now say yes to. And it just it's all about moving that line every day until eventually, you know, you that line's so far out there that the only thing on the other side of it is a superhero orgy. But you know what's funny about that is to, to bring it back to your point, the line is here,
0: and then another opportunity comes around, and we just write a longer line. Mm-hmm. And and this is why when people go, well, how is someone single at 40 or 50? Aren't they lonely? I'm like. No, they pro- they're they probably living their own lives and doing things. There's a dude I know who's 50 years old who's still fucking 20 and 30-year-old blondes in Tennessee because that's the life he lives, because commitment just isn't a thing for him. He's healthy, he's 50 years old, he looks like he's younger than me, and he's just having the greatest time of his fucking life. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, and I think people have this unrealistic idea of what happiness really is, where it's just like the... the the wife picket fence and two kids and all that stuff that isn't for anybody i got a vasectomy because i don't fucking want kids
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's a it's a i mean again you know maybe this is just a theme in my life at the moment but it's i think you can look at what your your core principles are and you can you know certainly at my age now in my 40s i can i can see the things that were consistent through my teens and twenties and thirties that mattered and have continued to matter to me. And I can look at the things that have been a little bit more mercurial and haven't stayed with me things that were more phases or hobbies or temporary eras. Um, and I think if you look at that, you can kind of use that to, to make guideposts for, for, for your future. And, while I don't believe in figuring out the the long term, long term plan, I can put some mechanisms in place that are foundational, right? I can surround myself with a core group of friends um, that are supportive and play certain roles. And I can teach myself certain skills that I think will serve me down the line. And even if they're not things I'm working, you know, if maybe I won't be physically editing video 20 years from now myself, but the The ability I will have picked up along the way of how to tell a story and how to convey an idea and working with those things have long term benefits so that to me is all you can kind of do is do the things that you think will serve you in the long term while not making decisions that will tie you down in ways that you're not prepared for in the future and that Somewhere in there, the right combination of those two things, not being trapped by stuff you've done in the past and not being, you know, stuck on having to surgically design your future, the ability to just be with the stuff you have now and make stuff that you think is going to make you happy in the future and do that daily. You know, that's, that's about all we can ask. I'll wake up in the morning, at least personally happy that I don't have to be somewhere at any given moment, the stuff that I do have to be at is self chosen. It's not some boss telling me, I, it's me having decided I want to be in Canada for this week. And that's that, you know, autonomy to me is happiness, the freedom to do what I want when I want to do it with who I want to do it with. And, you know, for my vocation to actually fall in that category as something I like to do and would be doing anyway is just, you know, I feel like I feel insanely fortunate to have check that happiness box. And I don't know if that's the same for everybody else. Maybe it is white picket fences and a handful of kids. And I just, when I try to put that on one side of the scale and the stuff that I'm currently doing and interested in on another side of the scale, it's wildly uh, <laughs> uneven. So, I, I, But I dig <laughs> it, though. I really do.
0: Um, and to quote a great philosopher, Stan Lee, enough said. Like, um, there you go. Uh, Slade, tell everyone where they can find you. Tell everyone about the stuff they can, like the YouTube stuff, the podcast stuff. Tell everyone where they can find you.
1: Uh, if, you ser- if you search my name on Spotify or YouTube, uh, Slade Ham, S-L-A-D-E-H-A-M, it should take you to everything. Me, uh, all of my output right now is not on social media, so... Uh, I tell you to follow me, but it's a, it's a bit of a uh, wasted effort. So search the whiskey brothers or Slade ham and a weekly output uh, from all those podcasts. And uh, definitely the Slade ham experiment is probably my favorite thing I'm doing right now. And it's a bit fun. If you want to spend some intimate time with uh, me getting a bunch of stuff off my chest in the funniest way, I know how.
0: Uh, You also have, I didn't realize this. I knew you had two, but apparently you have four albums on iTunes.
1: Yeah, the uh so uh, let me think. What's on there? Redemption three legged unicorn. Uh I did release I Want This to Feel Weird, and then uh Live whiskey with the other set is there. So that's that's kind of an EP. That one's uh I think that's a half hour set. Yep. Um, but it's uh it's got some good material that's not on anything else. I'm mad. I didn't know about
0: the The one that came, I'm mad. I didn't know about. I want this to feel weird. So uh, that album, I used that image for the last episode we did.
1: (laughs) That uh, that album I did. So I released it in September, I think, somewhere at the end of 2020. I did one show uh, at the Houston Improv, and I did. uh, We released an hour of it. Um, I did a brand new show. So the whole show was material I'd never done, not even at an open mic so I did 85 minutes that night of just brand new stuff, and it was all things I'd been working through during the pandemic that weren't going to have, were not going to have any purpose to release it later, right, so I just needed to get my thoughts about where we were towards the end of 2020 out, and just release an album of stuff that will never be on anything else, and it's, it's fun. It's an interesting, if you know the background to it, it's an interesting listen. And there's some really good stories on there. So,
0: yeah. Um, I wholeheartedly think that everyone listening, make sure you check out Slade Ham, the podcast, the Slade Ham experiment. Make sure you check out the Whiskey Brothers. Go back and check out the back catalog, which is on there. I'm a, a big fan of everything 500 plus. Actually, no, before 500 plus with um, Big Ed Blake, who are uh, yes. four
1: roses. Four uh, roses, bitches.
0: And um, all of that. I want to say that's around a 300 mark. 300 um, plus would be my favorite stuff going forward. This is where you get a lot of, like, everybody. Yep. Uh, and they're in 25 episodes, 10, $10, $10 a bit. It's uh, praisewhiskey.com. Definitely worth buying. It's so 25 episodes at um, an hour apiece. For me, it's video game music. It's video game background noise. I'm playing ah nice, and I'm playing 2K, and I'm listening to that. Um, And it's funny. Like when you go back and it's like it's great replay value too. One of my favorites was uh, My Sweet Aunt Matilda, and (laughs) it's so like you go back and listen to the stuff, and it's funny. And as you go on, you can kind of creep into the newer episode and you can see the evolution of things like that. Uh, definitely check it out. It's worth listening to. Make sure you find Slade Ham on all social media stuff. If you Google Slade Ham on YouTube, you'll find them. There's also this random thing I found on you a few years ago where you were playing a book battle. People were naming books and you were going back and forth and stuff like that. It's kind of funny.
1: Oh, wow. Wow. Uh,
0: I'm a fan, dude. Like I'm a um, I'm a fan and I put it like this. I'm not the creepy stalker that you have. <laughs> but I'm a fan. You inspire Ooh, me. A and I um <laughs> uh, I'm a fan and I'm thankful for you to come constantly come on a show. You spend the time and you didn't have to do a shit a two hour long show, but you always spend a lot of time doing it. So I thank you. Um and you always make me like just listen to the stuff you do like on the show and the stuff that's like listening, like you inspire me to be a better person in terms of like, just the things that I do in general and just reminding myself that like, you can be a better person. So thank you. Thank you for coming on. And thank you for doing this again.
1: Thank you so much for the kind words. Thank you for having me. And I promise we'll talk again. I enjoy it every time.
0: Uh, Thank you. And as always be excellent to each other. Peace. Damn it, Wade.